0: Telling stories from the EGA Clubhouse. Welcome to the EGA's podcast, telling stories from the clubhouse. My name is Mattia Fioravanti for Nexus TV Milan, Italy, your host for today's podcast titled The Role of Dubbing in an Evolving Market. This is a podcast in which we explore the dynamic world of audio localization and we unravel the interplay between tradition and innovation in a landscape being reshaped by AI technologies. As we journey forward, the rapid advancements of artificial intelligence is impossible to ignore. It's transforming every facet of our lives, including dubbing. Amongst the excitement of futuristic possibilities, questions uh, arise about the fate of traditional dubbing studios and dubbing actor and the indispensable human touch that voices and voice actors can bring to uh, localization. In a realm where AI can replicate voices and languages seamlessly, uh, the role of human talent stands at a crossroad. Do the voices that gave life to beloved characters vanish in the face of AI perfection? Or perhaps there is a synergy where technology and human artistry can get together to set a new standard. Join us today in exploring how dubbing studios are adapting, innovating, We'll talk with industry veterans, voice actors, and creative minds shaping Dublin's future. So uh, today we're uh, joined by uh, four uh, lovely uh, people uh, Anna Sofia Lumpe on behalf of UVA, Sarah Gomez uh, on behalf of UVA, both uh, voice actresses. Um, John Harley from Adrenaline, uh, a London-based studio, and Emanuela Latina from Adrenaline. I'm going to call uh, you uh, um, one by one, and uh, I'm going to ask you to present yourself really briefly. So I'm going to start with Anna-Sofia Lumpe from Germany.
1: Yeah, lo- lovely to be here. Uh, thank you. My name is Anna-Sofia Lumpe. I'm a voice actress from Germany. I've been a voice actress for about t- over 10 years now. And I'm also chairwoman of the Association of German Voice Actors, VDS, in Germany.
0: Marvellous. Thank you. Uh, Sarah, your turn.
1: Hello. Thank you very much.
2: It's a pleasure to participate in this conversation. My name is Sarah Gomez. I am a voice actress based in Barcelona, and I am also member of the board in DUP, which is our voice acting union in Catalonia and founding member of UVA. I've been dubbing for five years now, so I'm a baby in the industry, but really committed to <laughs> to the profession.
0: <laughs> Marvellous. Thank you. Uh, it's your turn, John.
3: It's my turn. Okay. I, I'm guessing the veteran, uh, <laughs> reference to a veteran was me, was it? Um, <laughs> I'm John Mahali. Uh, I was a voice actor. Um, and then in 2015, founded my own studio, but it was still in my own house at the time. We did quite a few jobs. And we moved into our current uh, location in London in 2016. Um, and we have continued to grow over the years. I'm glad to now our facilities here in London, over in Hampshire, uh, Specialist Kids uh, Studios, and also in Cape Town, South Africa as well.
0: Marvellous. Last one, but not least, Emanuele
4: Latina. Hi, everybody. Nice to be here. Um, yes, I'm Emanuele. I work at Adrenaline. I am uh, the group's operation director. I tend to keep an eye on, on all things from script prep to recording sessions, bookings, a cleaning. I just make sure everything is running smoothly. Uh, and I've been with Adrenaline since they moved in to the Arrow space in 2016. Thank you, everybody, for the lovely
0: introductions. And uh, I would like to start with uh, a question, perhaps to Ana Sofia. Uh, Can you introduce uh, uh, and explain a bit why uh, UVA, uh, that's an acronym, was formed?
1: Certainly. Um, It basically started when some Spanish voice actors grew concerned about the voice work they were getting and the contracts they were presented with. And uh, they reached out to French voice actors. And I think the French are well known for (laughs) taking to the streets when they're not happy (laughs) with situations in their country. And um, we then were contacted by the French as, uh, as as a German association. And at the end of March of this year, Uh, We had our first online meeting, and I think it was like six different associations in Europe. And uh, we were uh, pretty and think about the fact that we were concerned about our rights, um, our voices being heard, and how we could influence politics. So we decided to reach out to other associations, actually globally, And uh, founded this coalition, which now consists of 36 international groups with uh, over 20,000 members. And um, we basically formed uh, because we wanted to have an input into the AI Act, into the rights uh, for our recordings. Uh, We wanted to be asked. Uh, how we felt about the development. And that's why we formed United Voice Artists.
0: Well, thank you very much. Then uh, I'd like to ask to uh, Sarai if she can expand a little bit on this and uh, ask her what are the main goals, current main goals and objectives of um, uh, UVA? Mm -hmm. And uh, how generally speaking do you advocate for the interests of your members or the Uh, you know, uh, various unions members. Thank you. Mm -hmm.
2: Well, as Anna-Sofia very well put, um, we are a coalition and we were born from, from this union that has arisen in front of a common issue, which is AI and the risks it entails to the voice acting community. So we are committed to a series of very specific points, which is first one, protecting actors' work and human creativity. It's our heritage culture that it's right now in danger, or we feel it's a little bit threatened. So this is the first point. The second one has to do with assignments of rights, preserving property, intellectual property of, of the artists that are involved in the process of dubbing and voice acting, protecting personal data, in fact, because voice is considered a biometric data. And we believe it has to have like the best protection inside of the AI act, also together with other personal data, such as your image, other types of of personal data. We are also demanding liability for for the AI-generated content. This means we need to ensure the transparency that providers of this technology have to be clear about how they are training their technology, where are they taking the data from, it has to be labeled, it has to be traceable, and we artists need to be sure that our work isn't being robbed, isn't being taken without recognition, without fair uh, payment, without all these things that we need to be sure of. That would be our main
0: goals. Well, uh absolutely listen. Uh, I have a question for Anna. Uh, mm-hmm. This is a, a um, situation that is evolving almost weekly every other week there's a there's news from coming from the AI world uh, advancements in general. Do you see yourself as UVA? being a uh, sort of a transitory group that would uh, address the pro- the problems right now or do you see UVA establishing itself as a more permanent and organized structure in the long run
1: Yeah well the first um goal right now is to form as a really as a real official federation European Federation in Paris that is the goal for the end of August And um, the next one is to implement our thoughts and changes into the AI Act on a European level. And then hopefully, um, if we uh, get that done and are um, successful at that, we would love to expand and um, form a global standard for working with AI in a human-centric way concerning voiceover work.
0: Well, thank you very much for your answer. Uh, I'm going to switch now a bit uh, to uh, our uh, two lovely guests from London. And I would like to ask Emanuele if he can uh, um, do an introduction, uh, present an introduction of of the studio, uh, how, when it was established, and what what your services are and what you usually do.
4: Uh, Adrenaline Studios was established in 2016 by John. Um, we mainly focus on lip sync dubbing. Uh, our duties in a, on a daily uh, in a daily fashion is uh, creating localization, so script adaptation, translation, dubbing, acting, recording, mixing. Um, we do that uh, in the old-fashioned way, as we would like to say. Uh, you know, we love our actors. We get them into record. Uh, they are, you know, what make the magic happen in the studio, uh, along with our directors. Uh, and that's primarily what we focus on. Um, don't know if John would like to add to that. No, not really. I think
3: you you covered it. Uh, the, the actual uh, incorporation date was 2016, but the adrenaline was started in 2015. I might, yeah. I might, but you uh, don't want to be too pedantic uh, about <laughs> these things. But yeah, yeah, as Manny says, we do things um, somewhat the old-fashioned way. We do it the French way, in fact. Uh, when I first um, began dubbing at home uh, I thought I know nothing about dubbing ab- apart from what I've seen as a voice actor and so I visited a couple of studios in Paris so they were very nice to me and allowed me to sit in on some sessions um, to find out what technology they used and uh, the Bond Rhythmo, the Rhythmo band uh, was the thing that they said creates the um, the best sync. Uh, and also allows you to, uh, the actor, to actually act. So you can have a, an arc in a scene rather than just the mindless repetition of lines or words to, to get it in sync. And, um, you know, it, it does mean there's a fair bit of work up front before the actor gets in the studio, but the actor's time is, is more efficient when they are in the studio, um, and it's a more enjoyable experience for all, I think, Um so that, that's um, our main aspect of how we landed uh, into the dubbing scene in the UK, which, of course, is not a dubbing country necessarily. But, uh, uh, yeah, we copied the French, as we're doing Fasc- so
0: much. Fascinating. Thank you. Uh, also, I recently read that you fitted one of your studios to welcome child actors and have uh, an environment that can be a fun, joyous one. Can you tell us uh, a bit more about this initiative, John?
3: I can, but I'd sooner hand over to to Manny, who is actually uh, sat in those studios right now, and uh, was the driving force behind establishing them, and has made what are all is an incredible environment for the kids. Yeah, oh, do yeah, you know? it's
4: yeah. This, the initiative started because uh, obviously we were we worked on we work on a lot of animation, and we have a lot of young actors in and. Uh, we like to train young actors and we like to give kids, uh, you know, the opportunity where we can, we, we like to nurture them. And um, one of the things that I noticed were, you know, um, engineers losing children in booths. It's like, how did you lose the child in a booth? Where did he go? Uh, they were playing with the lead or they Ooh. were grabbing a mic. So I was like, okay, so what, how can we improve this experience for them? So I, you know, the first thing I did was I set out and I, I asked all, all the young actors, what do you love about, being here and what would you change? So armed with that list, uh, i got a builder and I built a whole a whole new free little studios for them. And one thing that they, pretty much all of them said is we really like to be in a room with everybody else. We, we don't want to be isolated. So we uh, we, you know, we went about and did that. Uh, the other thing they all said was we love it, but we really don't like dark spaces. So we created a fun environment, which is bright, is engaging. Um, we gave parents a, a place to work from, so there's there's a space dedicated for parents working from home. Uh, there's also a space dedicated when they take breaks, whether they can play. Uh, everyone is DBS checked. Um, we can um, teach them because our chaperones uh, do exercises with them during breaks, so that you know if they're here for a week, you, uh, you know they're not losing out on their schooling. So there's education time, there's play time. Uh, and there's a massive garden, especially in the summer months in England, which is so important that they can run around it. Uh, and the payoff is, I'm getting far better acting and far more lines in a day than I would normally. Um, so yeah, it's really, really paying off.
0: Emanuele, I'm I'm jealous. Can I come visit? Because I would like to. Uh, <laughs> I would like to visit the garden, especially and maybe have a seat there. <laughs>
4: Uh, you can find me on the swing yeah Christian
0: <laughs> so uh another question to perhaps uh, understand better um part of the of the workflow of of dubbing and this may, can be interesting to uh anybody who's not directly involved in dubbing what step do you take uh generally take to match the original character's emotions and expression when uh dubbing um in English. Uh, Whoever wants to
3: uh, take that uh, question is welcome to answer. I can start out, uh, Manny, if you want to drop in on anything, then feel free. I mean, of course, it all starts with adaptation. Again, following the French French way of doing things, everything starts with the adaptation, and as long as that's in place, and and that's probably a question on design, it's probably a whole... Um, discussion on its own about adaptation. But if the adaptation is in place, then things that we do in the studio um, depends on the character, really. Um, If the character is physical, is very physical, uh, then we give them enough space. So we've got studios that are not just booths. We have studios with uh, open spaces as well. Uh, We have a large studio, Studio One downstairs, that, that enables the actor to be as physical as they want to be um so that always helps that that allows uh the actor uh space to be able to create um something that is akin to to the original version um the other thing uh that we do very much is uh that we do listen to the to the original version before we go into a scene um but we ask the actor to play with it, to elaborate on it, to see if they can, uh, yes, be true to the scene, but in some ways make it better, if we can. Uh, The adaptation's been done, both for cultural, for lip-sync, for uh, rhythm. Um, And so all of those things are really sort of taken out uh, and we can actually really zero in on the creative aspects of uh, of the dubbing. Um, you know, it's... Um, I did, I remember quite a famous screen actor that we had in who who loves to dub with us, and, and he came in the first time he ever came in. Um, <clears throat> I watched his work on television and the cinema for, for quite some time. I was a fan. Um, and I'd actually done the adaptation for this particular series uh that were recording myself and and i suddenly came to realize that this man not only was a great actor but was wonderful at speaking really really fast uh and he sounded great when he did and uh it was an italian um no it was a spanish sorry a spanish production um uh, but we were dubbing into english and, and of course with the amount of mouth movement in in spanish um I had to start again on the adaptation, basically. So I readapted it with more words in each line. <laughs> Did a lot on the fly as we were there in the first session, uh, but then readapted the rest of the episodes uh, just so... Uh, and, and the result was, was marvellous. So we're flexible. We we um, are looking for the truth, uh, effectively, in the, uh, in the performance um, without altering it. From the original, um, but hopefully in some ways making it a touch better.
0: Well, thank you for explaining a bit more this uh, this uh, part of the of the work. I, d- I do see whenever we have uh, you know uh, guests or um, young students coming in for an internship when they see this happening in the studio, it's always something that it's almost like magic to them first time they see it. So I'd like to go back to uh, ask a question to Sarah. Uh, um, how do you, uh, you know, talking about UVA, how do you organize globally? Uh, uh, and do you think that the UVA itself is going to expand more? Because right now, I think that you said that it's uh, 37 unions getting together, right? So how do you get together? together? Do you have perhaps, I don't know, uh, Uh, people representing uh, countries, unions.
2: Yes, we are 36 and we are expanding every day. I mean, we use any contact we can grab to expand and to speak. So, for example, our latest incorporations come from Asia, from Taiwan, the the union there of Taiwanese um, voice acting uh, professionals and also from Africa. So um, each nation has more relations to one side or another of the world, of the globe. And for example, in Spain, we are in touch with Latin America. We're in touch with Brazil. Uh, United States has to also jumped with Canada. Uh, we, we manage all the world at the same time. And right now we have a website where you can read our manifesto. And internally, we speak right now at an association level. Hopefully, when our bylaws are constituted, we are going to be able to manage representation by country. But we are um, so many. It has, like, huge challenges. Uh, For example, just the time zones and agreeing on a meeting (laughs) is... very complicated at this point, but we manage. We speak different languages and we make a huge effort not to lose anything in translation. So slowly we will establish our base in France for the time being as a federation. And probably in the future, just as the FIA, the International Federation of Actors, has many different points in the globe, delegations, we are hoping we can do that in the future. But this is right now our... Our way of doing it.
0: <laughs> now I have a question for Anna. Um, can you tell us about uh, a bit about the strategies that uh, UVA is uh, putting in place to achieve the goals that uh, is, has set for itself uh, for the organization and its members?
1: Yeah, sure. So um I mean, it started with a social media campaign, I think. it was That was like the first thing we did at the beginning, like don't steal our voices. Um, and we had that in all different languages and spread it. And um, now we switched over to really uh, working through the AI Act. And um, we came up with some terms that we would like to add. And we had a lawyer's look over that and and check it and um the next ch- step would be to um to send this off to the uh, uh EU um to the committee and and have them take a look at it and of course we're trying to speak to as many advocates and uh, politicians as possible you know the the deciders need to understand uh what's at stake here not just for us this is not, and and I also want to make clear though that we are as associations, we're not against uh, generative AI. We're not against the future. We're not against uh, development, but we are very much for a human-centric implementation, and we are for being asked. Uh, Right now, we often have these discussions between tech buds, and they're all really amazed by what they can do and and how the future is going to be beautiful and nobody ever has to work again but nobody's asking the people whose work is being taken or is will be taken in this scenario. And we would very much like more dialogue. Um, we would like to be able to have our input um, regarding these topics. And so yes, we're talking with so many people for work and for uh, for our, um, yeah, and for for UVA.
0: Thank you. Uh, listen, I have a, a question um, that it's uh, quite technical. Maybe you can answer to this uh, and uh, whoever wants to answer it, Sara or Anna. Uh, you know, apart all the uh, strategies and the, uh, things that you've uh, spoken about uh, so far, do you also plan to arise uh, awareness with uh, uh, screen actors about their uh act of conceding the use of their timber of their voice for uh what's called automatic dabbing. Uh are you trying to reach out to uh screen actors as well or is this just something that you haven't thought about yet?
1: Sorry, do you want do you want me to please you, okay, you okay. can answer okay. first and then I can add. Okay. Mm. Um what I what I see is um, more of a problem of the you know the foot soldiers really. Uh, A a big movie star who's going to be automatically dubbed will always be reimbursed for that. Uh, I don't think they have to worry about their voices being taken. We, of course, we would love for them to understand that there's a whole, you know, army of people in other countries bringing their characters to life. But um, what we are concerned about is the fact that voices are taken without the artist's um, uh, consent and that is not going to happen to a big screen actor. They will always have the great contracts. They will always have um, any all their rights figured out because they are so you know public and 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 it's about the people in the back. It's about the people striking now because they don't want to be digitized for two hundred dollars and reused forever. That is not going to happen to a movie actor, so I don't think the movie actors have to be made aware of this. It it's more that um, movie actors have to support their lesser known colleagues and and you know fight with us as we are fighting with them. UVA so completely supports the SAG-AFTRA strike. We're with them because we understand what they're fighting for. And this is a very important moment in time where I guess people are saying no more. Because who does it really benefit? This is not for us actors. This is not for the artists. This is for companies. I don't think that my Netflix or Disney Plus subscription is going to be any cheaper the moment they don't have, they have to pay less for the actors. It is not for us.
0: Yeah, especially because, unfortunately, uh, localization isn't a uh, very, uh, a a branch of of the entertainment business in which, you know, we're going around in jets and Rolls Royce, unfortunately. And I can uh, testify to that. But um, I got a question for John going back to their work at Adrenaline and uh, the studio in London. Um, can you describe a bit for us the process of uh, voice casting, uh, casting voice actors for different projects and the criteria that you use uh, during the selection, basically?
3: Sure. Although, again, I may sort of hand over to Manny on this because he's uh, he's actually in charge of that uh, ad- adrenaline. So he would know far better than uh, I would uh, about that. But, of course, you know, I mean, it's the... When we take an actor on board, uh, we take them on because of their ability, because of their talent. Um, and that's number one. It doesn't matter if they've never dubbed before. It doesn't matter if they're a screen actor, a straight a stage actor, uh, or a voice actor. It's it's fine. You know, we, we take the, the most appropriate person. And I think... You know, with the um, diversity and inclusion drives that's going on throughout the industry correctly, um, we take that very seriously. And, and so, you know, we, we actually had a, a situation where we were dubbing a, a, an animation. Um, the character herself was a 12-year-old girl in a wheelchair. We took the decision to actually cast a voice actor 12-year-old who was in a wheelchair for that role. You can't hear the wheelchair on the mic, right? But you can. <laughs> because the truth that she brought to that animation, when she was explaining why she was different, why she was in a wheelchair, it was so touching and it was real. And, yeah, yeah. I don't think there was a dry eye in the house when she was uh, when she was finished. It was wonderful, and and so you know we we cast I would say appropriately. Um, Manny, do you want to take over? To yeah, sure. Detail of that. Yeah.
4: yeah. No- well, <laughs> yes. There's you know there's the we we keep an eye on on the truth and what the actor can bring, and then there are some technicalities which we also keep in mind. So, you know, our first stage is to make sure that the actor that we pick can resonate and can uh, empathize with the story being told. Uh, secondly, uh, we make sure that, you know, the technicalities of it is that that voice sound like it's coming out of that human being. You know, it's got to be believable that it's that person speaking. So that's the technicality that we take into account. Uh, and once we got all the all the pieces, let's say, in play, we then listen to them back to back because we make, want to make sure that we have a nice balance in the, in, in the cast. Uh, so tones and timbres, and, you know, we want to make sure that it, it's a nice cast and that there's nice shades of colors in there. Uh, so that's the technicalities that we, we take into account. Um, and then uh, it goes into the next stage, which is bringing them in to do, to do the audition. And then we can explore, you know, how they actually uh, interact with the character on the screen. So that's part of the casting as well. Uh, so, that's some of the things that we look at.
0: Thank you, Emanuele. Thank you very much. Listen, uh, I would like to do a round of um, sort of closing thoughts, and I'm going to ask everybody individually. So, the question for everybody is going to be uh, What is your take on the future of dubbing? How do you see dubbing in five years, uh, for example? I'm going to start with Anna Sofia.
1: Oh, this is so def- difficult. <laughs> <laughs> um, I believe that, um, I think we're gonna see, uh, even better dubbing than before. I think uh us actors, we will become the best version of ourselves. and um, yeah, because because there's a necessity. I see this as a chance and um, to improve ourselves and produce the best content we can.
0: Thank you, Anna. Uh, Well, we're going to reconvene in five years and see what happens. (laughs) So, uh, John, what's your take on the future of dubbing? How do you see dubbing in five years?
3: Okay, well, here we are. We're being hosted by the Entertainment Globalization Association, and and therefore there is a a real relevance for dubbing in the future because we need to globalize that entertainment right so uh i think ai will be involved but i think the important thing is that entertainment remains an art form and it is actually the fractured voice the imperfect note the unfinished thought that actually distinguishes great art from something that that can be constructed by ai right so uh it's reminding us of our very humanity, our fragility, our frailty. And that's what's engaging the emotion of the audience. And and so what I don't think is going to happen is that AI is going to take over and write scripts. It can help, uh, I'm sure. Um, I don't think AI will be used greatly for... Good entertainment. I know it is being used for various things at the moment, uh, like audio description, AI voices, things like that. It may be used for Man 1, Man 2, Soldier 1, Soldier 2, where they have to say, good morning, hello, and things like that. I'm sure there's a use there. Um, But um, I really, honestly, do not think that it's anything more than a tool. I mean, you know, technology, although it can have a dramatic effect on the way that humans work, is not in charge. It is a tool. And as with many technological advancements over the years, fear seems to be a necessary byproduct that comes with it. And most of us these days are quite comfortable with the horseless carriage, right? Or the motor car. Uh, But in its day, you know, when it was first being introduced, people were terrified of it. People thought it was the work of the devil, thought that, you know, life would never be the same again. In some ways, they were right. Life was never the same again. However, it sort of enriched things. Uh, It made things easier. It also ruined or was partly responsible for ruining the planet. But, um, you know, I think we need to see it for what it is. It is a tool.
0: Thank you, John. Always wise words from you. Uh, Sara, what's your thoughts on the future of dubbing and how do you see dubbing in five years?
2: Well, I think the, the title of this podcast gives a clue, the role of dubbing in an evolving market. Evolving market, uh, we have to ask the question, is it evolving for better or evolving for worse? I mean, progress is not, I mean, evolving is not a synonym of progress. Sometimes it's not. But what I would like to add to what Anna, Anna, Sofia and John said is that um, the feeling we have right now is that technology or AI, in this case, we're talking, is happening to us. And since it's here, we, we cannot do anything to change it. Wrong. We are affected by this. This is created by humans. So we have a say on how it is going to be implemented. And there has to be this dialogue, and as Sophia mentioned before, we have to talk. And this cannot be an imposition from global uh, companies who only look for this this huge profit, right? So this involves studios. Um, It's wonderful to hear how adrenaline works and how they reach uh, for excellence in human-centric way. But also entertainment companies that are members, for example, of the EGA, we have to create a team um, and we trust they value human art. I quote, for example, Warren Stein from Deluxe's um, company. We work for Deluxe sometimes in dubbing and, and he mentioned human intervention intervention will always be necessary to prevent biases, to prevent that the accuracy of the machine learning, it's being properly done, right? So yeah, human art above all.
0: (laughs) Thank you, Sarah, And Emanuela, I'm gonna ask you to be uh, uh, a bit fast because we don't have much time left, but what are your final thoughts uh, on the future of dubbing and how do you see dubbing in five years?
4: Well, I'm going to stand on the shoulder of giants. And I, I think I agree with what everyone is saying. Sophia, uh, Sarah, sorry, initially said something interesting, which we need to talk. The conversation that we're having right now is right. And and Sophia pointed out that it's going to come to an amicable solution in a human centric way. And, you know, to close that off, you know, with what John was saying that we're, we're entertaining people, we're not making toothpaste, it is an art form. So I, I hope that, you know, the, the way forward is that we, we use AI as a tool and uh, it can uh, you know uh, aid us in what we do and take away maybe some of the boring stuff so we can do all the cool stuff for longer. Uh, no, that's that's what I'm hoping for the future. Thank you, Manuele. Uh, well, it was lovely hosting this podcast. I uh,
0: hope you enjoyed it. I would like to thank uh, the EGA, especially Scout, for helping us in creating this podcast, uh, the UVA, adrenaline studio and you know uh, all the uh, lovely guests that i had the pleasure to converse with Anna Sofia, sarah emanuele and john thank you very much again and uh, see you at the next podcast for ega thank you thank you
1: thank you for having us thank you
4: thank you bye
0: join us next time when we share more stories about elevating the art and science of global storytelling